there's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? These are the final poignant words spoken by Pam Beasley Helpert from one of the most well-known comedies on television, The Office. Almost all of us have bosses and coworkers, and thus relate to many of the situations depicted in the show to some degree or another. Finding humor and significance in the ordinary has made the show one so easy to relate to and worthy of repeated binge watching. So put on a pot of coffee, find an ergonomic chair, and reschedule your meeting of the party planning committee. GLG's Pop Culture Playground is ready to tackle The Office. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grounded Learners Guild Summer Pop Culture Playground. We really wanted to bring out some new content this summer, but we wanted to keep it light, keep it fun. And so we're going to be spending a lot of time in pop culture land, doing things that are easy and fun, like binging a favorite show or listening to music. But we are going to continue making connections to our world of education and learning and teams. And in order to do this, we are going to be playing a game entitled Six Degrees of Education, where we take key moments, characters, events from either our favorite movies or TV shows or song lyrics and make those connections. Six connections, and we get in, explain our reasoning, and hopefully get out. Sometimes that goes a little bit better than others. Yeah, good segue there, Casey, because here are our norms. <laughs> we have not been doing as great as we could on our first norm, the 20 minutes, but it's just too dang fun. And so we have tried our best. And with the magic of editing, we have been able to keep it brief because this is summer and we want to keep the content light, but we want to still keep it flowing. So we're going to try and keep it to that 20 minutes. And the second norm is the spoilers may follow. So if this is a topic that you haven't seen, I mean, by now, if you haven't seen all the Office episodes, if you aren't a diehard fan, you might want to go back and watch some of these or maybe they might inspire you to want to see some more of it because it's just comedy gold just be aware that we are going to be talking about some things that would be a spoiler so the office for any of you who are maybe needing to go back and watch like jenny said overall gist is that it was the american remake of a british show the american version of the office is the one we're going to be focusing our energy on today it was on the air from 2006 to 2013 and brought a ton of memorable characters into pop culture not to mention just the potential for gifts and memes that have come out of this show has been ridiculous but the characters like michael scott dwight schrute pam beasley jim halpert where there's just an incredible wealth of characters and really developed some incredible comedy writing talent on that too you've seen paul lieberstein and mindy kaling come mm-hmm. out of the writer's room of that show and mm-hmm. just have really cool things with their careers and it's just been like Jenny said, comedy gold. So without further ado, let's stick to our time and jump into some connections. So we're going to start out with one of my very favorite episodes, which is Pretzel Day. What can we say about Pretzel Day? I keep looking at this list and just smiling. So for me, Pretzel Day is all about that one thing that gets someone really excited to come to work, whether it's that great lesson, or whether it's some sort of experience, the teacher appreciation luncheon, but it's the one thing that motivates all of us, just like Stanley (laughs) brings his crossword (laughs) in order to stand in line for that line is long. I've been waiting for this all year. Like this is the one day all of us have that thing that helps keep us motivated and passionate. 
I love how Michael Scott doesn't do his work. And I think Pam comes down. Can we be productive today? He's like, no, I got to pick out my own pretzel. And I love how he, when he finally gets to the front of the line and the guy reads off a laundry list of the toppings for the pretzel. And it's like coconut and mustard and whatever and he's like can i have it all (laughs) so i just think about those people that are completely enthralled and loving either what they're trying to get out of life or what they're trying to put into their work and they just want to have it all and i just think that that is just such a great analogy to when it's hard to prioritize you just have so much you want to be a part of and michael scott definitely does that there with his pretzels yeah. Like me spending an entire third quarter teaching Hamlet. Did I really need to do it? Probably not. I wanted to. <laughs> and my connection is very similar to Casey's. I consider it the ability to motivate someone who's difficult to motivate. Stanley is not a very motivated guy, but no. I always think of that line that you were quoting where he's like, pretzel day? I like pretzel day after he lists <laughs> all the stuff that he doesn't like. So I'm thinking of connecting something Just that one thing that you can find that could spark somebody who doesn't seem very motivated. If you can find that thing, you can tap into that person's energy and try to figure out what their motivation is. And from the coaching standpoint, that's something we're always going for. So the next one, and again, I'm sorry, we're just going to giggle every time I say something (laughs) here. So I'm just going to lampshade that. But the next one is the fire drill. (laughs) So how do you not laugh about that? God, who goes first this one? I'll go. I just love the sheer panic. And Dwight sets this up. This is just all his brainchild. He just wants to bring... Punish them. Yeah, he just wants to bring like complete chaos and disorder to the office. But they got to learn a lesson. And I just think of when we were transitioning from normalcy to there's a pandemic. And I just love that we didn't have that chaos. Or at least from my vantage point, the perspective of there were a lot of people that could have panicked and still maybe internally were but we weren't jumping out of windows and throwing fax machines out the door and who was the one that crawled in the ceiling i mean oh, like, angela's cats were in the ceiling right <laughs> yeah. that's my favorite moment i keep thinking of angela save bandit <laughs> the cat up in the ceiling to me it's all about dwight is thinking himself to be this leader right And causing this chaos, causing this insanity to teach a lesson, when really leadership is about looking to the leader, like, okay, what do we do? Help guide us, help structure us. And that's what makes the principles so important. Your staff needs to look to you in those times of crisis, in those moments, and be like, okay, the place is burning down. What do we do? And it just seems like there's this leadership vacuum in the office in that scene. It's like a message of like what not to do as a leader. And that satire is what makes it so funny. Right. Along a similar vein, I was mostly just thinking of that's what a lack of clarity and understanding of norms, procedures, roles, and Mm -hmm. what to do in certain situations can do to a system if people are caught unprepared without those structures in place. And some of those things can come across a little bit dry. I say this as keeper of the norms, but (laughs) you know... Not this summer, that's Jenny. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> but those norms and those rules and just general procedures and knowledge of what to do. Like, there's a reason why in schools we have fire drills and they don't look like this because knowing what to do in situations and what your role is and how that would play out and not going and in, erupting into mass panic is yeah. really helpful for people. It's the difference between good collaboration, using procedures and norms, and really terrible everyone's for themselves. Mm-hmm. Throwing bandit up into the <laughs> ceiling and then he comes down. Oh my God. Work out. Each time. So 
Yes. Okay, so we're going to stay with emergencies here, but now we're going to talk about CPR training. Yeah, so this comes after Stanley's heart attack. Everyone doesn't know what to do. And there's a scene during the CPR training where someone from the Red Cross comes in with the CPR dummy to try to teach everybody CPR because that's what they thought would have helped Stanley in that moment. And there's an interview scene that it cuts to and Michael says, I knew exactly what to do. But in a much more real sense, I had no idea what to do. (laughs) And to me, there's a couple of different connections that I see with this scene. Number one, we talked about the leadership thing a moment ago. But when you have staff meetings, there's those staff meetings that really go well because everyone knows that this is valuable information. We all need it. And here's why we need it. And we're all focused and excited to be here. There's also those staff meetings where some teachers are doing grading, some teachers are focused on something else. And it's not because they don't care. It's just because is this really what we needed in this moment right now? And I connect it to in the scene where (laughs) Kelly gets up in the middle when Michael's counting staying alive, staying alive, and she just starts dancing. (laughs) Andy starts singing the rest of the song. And it's because there's no big why. Why do we need this right now? So I'm glad you mentioned staying alive and I'm going to cheat a tiny bit here. And that is because I hadn't that long ago read that news story about somebody actually saving someone and cited the office (laughs) as why they remembered how to do CPR. So as much of a shit show as it is in Dunder Mifflin, something about that scene, and I think it's the use of staying alive and the dancing, the singing, made the learning sticky. So I'm going a different way here. I think what we're talking about is when you use a device to make learning sticky, when you use a song, when you use a rhyme, when you use something and make it memorable and I would argue that scene is very memorable because it's awkward but also I think that once you take it out of the show and place it into the real world it's memorable enough and has saved at least one life on record. I like that connection and I don't know if I can do that any better but I will use my time to ask Casey a question you put in the notes organ harvesting. (laughs) So how does that fit in with the CPR training? (laughs) There's always those people in those staff meetings that are hardcore, take it serious. So Dwight is that person. He's like, okay, well, we just lost her because the Red Cross woman says, oh, you waited too long. No one called the police. We lost the dummy. And Dwight's like, is he an organ donor? (laughs) So he starts harvesting the organs and cutting off the face. Because number one, he's taking it too seriously. But then two, by the end, he just thinks it's a big, giant joke. So yeah, it just goes back to that shared purpose. Why are we here? Why is this meaningful? And why is this not an email? Okay, so we're moving away from emergency land and we're going to bring it into something fun. So our next connection we're going to try to hook into the world of education is Cafe Disco. (laughs) Yeah. So for anybody who needs this, this was when the space previously used by the Michael Scott Paper Company after they were reabsorbed into Dunder Mifflin, Michael tried to reallocate it into a fun clubby hangout for everybody (laughs) called Cafe Disco. So when you're talking about genuine climate and culture. The difference between a top-down climate and culture improvement initiative, Michael sets up the espresso bar, he sets up the music, he sets up the lights to try to get this to be a fun office hangout for the people um, in the Dunder Mifflin office. 
and no one comes. And it's just this awkward thing. (laughs) That's the top-down mentality when it comes to culture and climate improvement. It's only when Aaron comes in and discovers, hey, this place is really awesome, and it goes bottom up, that it really becomes what Michael intended all along, to be this great place where people connect, have dance battles with each other, and just have an overall great positive time with one another. So when you're really talking about trying to improve climate and culture, you got to start with the people on that ground level, try to find those multipliers from within, and then move from there. I think of this a little bit when I think about that YouTube video of the people dancing. That's something that I've heard in education circles before about getting a movement going is that idea of getting that second dancer in there so like yeah kevin can hang out there all day michael (laughs) can hang out there all day but you need that second dancer you need an aaron or a kelly or both to get in there you need that next little push and then all of a sudden you do have a movement you need your middle people to start moving culture I'm going to take this in a different direction. So, All right. <laughs> so the first thing that came to mind rewatching this scene and connecting it to teachers is just think of teachers after hours. Like <laughs> We are so restrained and we have so much. You want to be so professional Repressed. and rep- yes. <laughs> and like you're behaving all the time, all day long for your students. And then when you are set free, my goodness, like when you just watch teachers and they're dancing or whatever, it just made me think of teachers gone you're wild really a, a little bit. Group. Teachers, we are really a fun group outside yeah. in the real world. But it's like that awkward thing when you see your teacher out in the real world and you're like, whoa, they have a life. It's yeah. like your alter ego. <laughs> real talk, guys. I used to try to convince my eighth graders that that's what the teacher's lounge was. I was like, oh, yeah, they've got a hot tub. They got big screen TVs, good stereo. Like, what What did you think was in there? Only you know, imagine. Tease them. Okay, so we'll move on. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple of specific characters, see how we can connect them. So let's just start with a very popular character, Jim Halpert. Jim, initially, he just took this job because it was a job. But he ends up staying for Pam because he fell for her. But he really, deep down, is a good person and wants to do a good job. You see that through several moments when he gets up and does karaoke and does a duet with Michael Islands in the stream. I love Like, that. he just is a decent human. And yeah, he does these unprofessional Prank. pranks on Dwight. But it's Dwight, so that kind of makes it okay. He just represents what a good worker embodies, whether that worker is a teacher or someone else. So at the end of the day, we really are good people at heart. It's interesting that you say it that way, Casey, because when I think of Jim, I also thought of, I'm going to see if I can get some bonus points here connecting to a previous episode, but I'm thinking of the apathy zone. I think he teeters in and out of the apathy zone a little bit, depending on where he is in his life but also how he's interacting with the projects that he has at hand. He doesn't take work super serious all the time. He is definitely a good person. I agree with you wholeheartedly there. It's just an interesting way to approach work. And so I think of him as the teacher that you want to make sure is in a psychologically safe place. And how do you help not only motivate them, but help them want to be better? And his character arc gets there, right, right, over the course of all of those seasons where he really starts to take it seriously. You have those teachers that, I agree, they're there for the right reasons. He was there for a lot of reasons, personally and professionally. But how do you help elevate the productivity and the work that he actually does do? You made me think about the reluctant leader. Like he's Mm -hmm. the kind of person that you want to see step up and be a leader Mm -hmm. because of the rooting for him and sway that he has with the rest of the office. But because he really is a good person deep down, 
Yeah, I agree with both of what you've said to many degrees and Jenny, particularly what you're saying about Jim and his reluctant leadership and his growing motivation. I think Jim is a study in motivation. I think what's interesting about Jim is Jim has Jim face right at the camera. He's always the one who like, <laughs> this is weird. He's like making eyeballs at the camera. He's the realist. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He seems to look at situations very much in the moment like, okay, are you seeing this camera person? Because this is weird to me. And he's <laughs> often... I would say a late joiner. I would know I was just talking about the dancers in the video, but he's always like kind of thinking he's not going to join. And a lot of different plot lines, like there are numerous different across many seasons where Jim doesn't think he's going to like X and he ends up doing the thing and having a very good time and or being very good at it. That really not only humanizes him, but also takes him out of that moment where he's like mugging at the camera and puts him in with his colleagues and puts him into that spirit of collaboration when he can get outside of himself and join and i think that that motivation to do that sometimes is pam sometimes it's just he gets into the moment and sometimes it's just the ability to let go of maybe not his ego but whatever's holding him back that I'm too cool for this or this is too weird for me and just get in with these goofballs that he works with and realize that they're very special to him. He sort of becomes the emotional heart and soul of the show in doing so. And I'm looking at time, but I wanted to put one last thing in there, Emily, as you were talking, is connecting that to the work that we do as coaches. I think that he is a prime candidate. And yes, I know I'm biased because I believe in coaching so deeply as far as that one-to-one coaching and how you can help people grow on their terms. Mm -hmm. He's one of those people that needs it to be on his terms. Right. And he's such a realist. And so when you think of those teachers that are like Jim, if you are customizing their learning in such a way that's going to benefit them and their students, coaching can be so powerful. That is why I value that personally. And I love to see what it can do for people like Jim or teachers that are approaching their work like Jim does. Totally. All right. So our last connection, this is another character one. We are now going to flip it over and talk about Andy Bernard, Nard Dog. Let's talk about <laughs> Yeah, I think Andy represents the first runner. He's that guy on the team or in the building that's always the first to go, always ready to jump, always ready to work. And as much as you probably hate him saying that he goes to Cornell or that he sings a cappella over and over and over again, he really is that first person to jump in and be that lead committee member. I think we want to be careful with those sorts of people only because burnout, we have to do what we can to protect and build those boundaries and model. We don't want him going to anger management. No. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that's kind of the first thing I can connect with Andy. It's interesting because I think of Andy as someone who's willing to work on himself in that show. He does go to the anger management and he comes back, he apologizes, he does better and he becomes a very integral piece of that office culture. Like you take him from these episodes where he's just like swaggering around talking about school and like calling Jim Big Tuna and then fast forward to when he's actually (laughs) kind of like the manager guy. And I love that episode where he says he'll get a tattoo if they make a certain number of sales in a day. And then they give him the little Nard Dog tattoo and he like didn't know what it was going to be, but he like trusted them and motivated them. And to me, that was like a really beautiful little piece of motivation and leadership that comes from this character you would never Never expected from because he did a lot of work and growth and change throughout that show on himself. That's great. Just think of that competition between Dwight and how they are so very different, yet they have very similar 
end goals Mm -hmm, in a way. mm -hmm. And so you just see how that plays out when you're in competition versus working collaboratively. And so if you really want to do the impactful work, I find the characters that are like Jim, who's willing to bring people on board with them are the ones that are more effective. And the other it makes for good comedy, but I don't know if it makes for a healthy work environment if you're constantly trying to one up each other. Yep. Argue that's all true. He's a pretty dynamic character in that regard. All right, so we are already over time a little bit, so we're going to jump right into game mode here, and we're going completely different. We're playing Great Minds Think Alike. So we've got a couple of different categories of things we're thinking of in the office, and we want to see if we can match each other. So we're going to tell you what we've chosen of these, but we've we've had ourselves write them down in advance. So yep. what we're going to do is I'll read off the category, and I'll go one, two, three. We're going to hold it up, and then we're going to tell our listeners what it is, since obviously this is a podcast and not a video. And All feel right. free to play along in your brain, like, Right. Make some mental notes and see if you get any of these matched with us as well. Yeah. Get a little friendly with your pause button here. We're going to start with the most hilarious gym prank in the show. All right, ladies. So one, two, three. What do you have? Yes. Emily and I match. Ah, yes. I can't read Casey's. Mine was when he gets the actor friend to play him. That's and right. he like puts in the passcode and he changes the picture <laughs> so that it's so everybody good. and he gives kudos to him for being colorblind. <laughs> well, Casey, you're in the same vein as us, but Emily and I definitely matched. We have dressing yeah. up as Dwight and Dwight tries to do it back at it, but he can't do it as yeah, well. Bears just... beats Battlestar Galactica. So good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. All right. Emily and I get a point. Yeah. yeah. Woohoo. All right. We're point up. We each win a jello encased stapler. All right. So next. I was is... going to put that one, but it was too obvious. Was I like, had that too. And I scratched it out. Get out. I love it. Get All out right. of my brain. Ah, nope. Italian <laughs> this thing. You were work wives. <laughs> yeah. I know. Hey, man. So speaking of that, we're going to go into most heartwarming office moment. One, two, three. None of them match. So oh, we mine, didn't match at all. Mine is the wedding waterfall. I love how they try and get away from all of the office people. That's a good one. I put Michael going to Pam's art show when no one else showed up to her show to support her. And Michael goes and compliments her painting. And he's just yeah. so kind to her. It really just like that one gets in my throat. And Here's I had the gas station proposal. Pretty obvious. You, uh, you guys are so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell we love the Jim and Pam story. Yeah, I know. It's adorable, though. All right. Moving from romantic to. All right. Let's go the complete <laughs> polar opposite. And what is the worst or cringiest office romance on the show? One, two, three. What do we have? Oh, no. Oh, they're all different again. All different. I had Dwight and Angela because... Ew, both of them and also it started in lots of infidelity and it was really cringy for a long time yeah. lots of closets <laughs> i had the sexual harassment suit waiting to happen with jan and michael oh, no. while they were together and i had aaron and gabe <laughs> i just feel like gabe is creepy and he's got all the samurai swords in his apartment and i just no no <laughs> Oh, man, that's great. All right, so we've just kind of ended it on a cringy note, but we want to thank you for joining the Grounded Learners Guild on the Pop Culture Playground, and I hope this brought a little bit of levity to your summer. We'll see you for the next one. And that's a wrap for another mini-sode on GLG's Summer Pop Culture Playground, Six Degrees of Education. A sincere thank you for joining us on this journey as we continue to advocate for adult learners and aim to contribute to this community with genuine conversations about education, leadership, and topics that matter to you. 
If you'd like to connect, you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, on Twitter at GroundedLGuild, at C. Veacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool. Might you consider leaving us a review? It helps us to keep growing, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assists in getting this content into others' hands, or better put, ears. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, on this Minnesota of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the playground, and even though it's summer, do your best to stay grounded. <laughs>